Welcome back again to another episode of the Treat Addiction Save Lives podcast. I'm your host, Zach Caruso. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join me and uh, to listen to another great conversation here with us. Um, today, we are talking to Matt Moon and Mike Krupp, both of whom are medical students at Midwestern University and are actually uh, volunteering with an organization there called Care for Friends in Chicago, which aims to uh, build pathways out of homelessness. Um, and they do this with programs that directly address everything from providing hygiene kits and seasonal clothing to uh, meals and healthcare access, and that includes individuals dealing with substance use disorder. Um, Matt and Mike sat down to talk with us about their experiences working in the addiction medicine space with Care for Friends and what they've learned about not only treatment and recovery, but about themselves as addiction medicine providers too. So uh, with that, let's dive into my talk with Mike and Matt. Um, and you guys are medical students at Midwestern University, right? And so you're pursuing your medical degrees. What inspired you to get into, I mean, medicine, but addiction medicine in particular and addiction psychiatry, like what puts you on that path? Were you always interested in medicine or, or, or what took you down this road? For me personally, when I started med school, I really wanted to be either orthopedic surgery or sports medicine. Uh, those have been the doctors that took care of me my entire life. That was what I was comfortable with. I, I love the patient population. That had always been my, my primary goal. Um, it wasn't until uh, first year, we ended up doing a paper together with one of our uh, pharmacology professors, and that kind of opened us up to the world of researching, you know, pharmacology and psychopharmacology. And along with that kind of came this interest in the opioid epidemic and some of the things that have kind of played out that led us to that point. Um, from this gathered or this gained interest, I had an opportunity to work or volunteer at Thresholds Recovery Clinic. It's on the west side of Chicago. I think they've got other locations too. But uh, I did two five-hour volunteer shifts in addiction medicine and opiate recovery treatment. And prior to this, I didn't even know it was a specialty. And so just kind of learning that they're, they were addressing this issue now and that there's a whole specialty that can be done off of it and just how massively it's needed, I realized very quickly that this was something that I had an internal calling for uh, just from relationships with my family and other things that I've gone through. Um, in that regard, there's a massive need for people to service the population in this in this way. And so, you know, if we have the interest and we have the toler like the tolerance to work with the patient base, and we can see the good on the other side, I, I think it's imperative that, to run into it and just kind of do everything we can. That's amazing, man. And Matt, what about you? What uh, what what got you uh, involved in medicine to begin with? But like I said, particularly down this addiction medicine path. Sure. Yeah. So it's something I've always kind of just naturally gravitated towards and particularly psychiatry it's just a topic i've always been interested in uh, and then similar to michael when i came to med school i didn't even realize addiction medicine or addiction psychiatry was a specialty and so i didn't gain interest in, and do it much later until we me and michael both went to the american society of addiction medicine conference in 2023 and honestly just it was awesome it felt like home and it was great to be surrounded by people who were who wanted to treat addiction and uh, it just felt like the place to be, you know, for us. <laughs> that makes sense. What, I got asked too, what would you guys think of conference? That was your first one. How did you like it? And would you guys kind of come away with from, uh, from their first conference? Conference was awesome. Yeah. Uh, again, being around that many people that are interested in the same thing. And then you get to add on the fact that you're learning about cutting edge research and the next level of technology and everything that's going into implementation. It was awesome to go from not knowing anything about this to seeing that this has existed for a long time and there's actively a force working towards dealing with this problem. 
Yeah. And substance use, the substance use disorder population is probably one of the most stigmatized, even within medicine. So it was really cool to see such a large group of people coming together and, you know, and saying like, hey, we have your back. You know, and that's one of the things that definitely want to touch on in a little bit is stigma. But to get there, let's back up for one second. Uh, Care for Friends. I want to talk a little bit about this program that you guys are involved with. So Care for Friends, it describes itself and the mission of the organization as gathering a community who come together for a regular meal that has no sign-in requirements or other asks. Clothes are distributed, doctor's visits happen, and relationships are built, including with uh, new friends who can now be trusted to help improve the lives of those experiencing homelessness. They also have a couple stats that were amazing. 50% of clients served by an affordable housing partner were met at Care for Friends gatherings. 78% are now housed. Graduates of job skills partner programs are now earning an average wage of $15 an hour and 65% of our guests from, from Care for Friends have now found a permanent medical home. How did you guys initially get connected with Care for Friends? Um, how did you come across it and what made you want to get involved? In, and then what kind of work and outreach are you are you doing there? So I think I can, I can help with this one. Um, third year of med school, I was looking for volunteer opportunities in my area, just kind of looking, knowing that now with the interest in addiction and kind of thinking about the patient population that I might be working with, I reached out to some of the uh, local shelters and organizations that provide uh, care for the undomiciled in our pocket or in our community. And Care for Friends got back to me. They allowed me to come in and work with their, uh, they have a health screening clinic. You just check uh, blood sugar levels and blood pressure levels just to make sure if it's anything ridiculously high, we can start working on it and getting them in to see a provider. Um, but really just to kind of establish rapport with the patients and the patrons and let them know that we're here to help them, not to pass judgment, not that we just want to keep you safe. Uh, so after I started volunteering with them for a little bit, right around the time that we went to the ASAM conference, uh, the Care for Friends organization asked me if I wanted to be a part of their auxiliary board. So after I joined the board, um, I had done at this point probably 40, 50 hours and I I had saw some things that I kind of wanted to change. I talked to Moon about um, if we wanted to kind of do a program at the same time that we were starting our club at school that we talked about at ASAM. And so it all kind of worked out. I I reached out to the Care for Friends board and I said, hey, I've got an idea for this. We have a a group of people that would be interested in volunteering. Like we, we have the numbers, we have some financial support from the school how do you guys feel about starting up some starting up some old programs and starting some new programs? And they were thrilled. So uh, between uh, Matt and I, we were able to get together uh, a solid group of maybe 50 volunteers or it's 50 students, but are all interested in addiction medicine, which now becomes our pool that we pull from for volunteers on a monthly basis. And we've kind of just been growing the group around that. So we have all the finances coming from the school and from the program. And we've just been able to provide so much for uh, the community that's really been genuinely appreciated. Yeah. And the services we've been uh, providing so far, we started up their clothing drive again. So we're collecting donations from the school, like students at the school, as well as other various sites we're working on. We're uh, distributing those to people in need, especially with the Chicago winter coming in. Uh, They've really been appreciating that. And on top of that, um, We've also been doing a harm reduction uh, clinic where we hand out um, harm reduction supplies such as Narcan, fentanyl test kits, and now xylazine test kits with that with that on the rise. And then finally, we're also for those who are interested, we are uh, you know screening for substance use disorder, and if they're interested in treatment, we have uh, partnered with a couple of clinics in the area to provide uh, re- uh, referral to treatment 
um, especially for those without insurance. That's amazing, guys. And in your time working uh, with Care for Friends, how do you think that that experience has influenced or impacted um, you know, not only how you view and understand addiction, you know, having this firsthand experience, but also your interactions and perspective on like the patients and individuals that are dealing with addiction that you're working with? Uh, for me personally, I think it kind of, kind of not, not to draw it back to the stigma thing, but a lot of times we have these preconceived notions in our head about what a drug addict looks like and how they're going to behave and what, where, what they're going to do in society. And I think checking yourself on making those, uh, those impressions and those assumptions about people is in, in theory, very easy to do. But when you are actually in front of that patient population, even people who are aware of the fact that it is stigmatized, you can sometimes catch yourself falling into this. So being in front of these people and getting to know their story and getting to build relationships with them and kind of talking with them about everything and understanding that there is such a humanistic component that leads to somebody becoming uh, addicted to a substance, um, you really get to understand just how the world has painted them in a certain way and how that has led to a lot of other of the waterfall effects that come from being labeled as a drug addict in our society. Yeah, Michael is spot on there. And I also wanted to add um, how everybody seems to know someone that is, you know, has substance use disorder. A lot of people we talk to, they personally don't suffer from it, but they always say, oh, I know someone in my family or I have a friend who is you know, suffering from, from substance use disorder. So, right. of course, yeah, I'd love to take that Narcan just in case they need it. What do you guys see with the patients too? Do they, do they talk to you about stigma that they've experienced? You know, I've heard some folks talk about the doctors themselves will write some stigmatizing things in the notes. You know, other people look down on the fact that they're dealing with substance use disorder. What, um, what kind of experiences have you had? Are there any stories that really stand out of, of some patients that have talked to you about what they've gone through just to get to the point of treatment and recovery? What sticks with me is a quote that are that my, on that first volunteer shift that I did with, uh, doctor's name is Dr. Cook. And he gave me this quote about addiction medicine. And he's been on the board for years. He's been practicing addiction medicine since before it started being nationally recognized as a specialty. But he said, of all the doctors practicing in the country, 85% of them will not address addiction issues. So they'll be sitting in that clinic and the, the patient might say, yeah, I'm drinking six, seven beers a day. And they'll say, ah, you should maybe drink a little less, but then they'll move on. And they'll just kind of keep going. They're not going to talk about why or how did that start or how long has it been going on. It's just a, they're tracking it for health reasons. But so of the 85% or of the 100%, 85% won't even deal with it. Of the 15% that care enough to take the extra couple minutes and really ask about what's going on, only 10% of them have actually been trained. And so just thinking about that quote right there, there is a massive population that needs help. And a, not only is there a population that doesn't want to deal with it, but the ones that do don't understand it or they haven't been taught, but it's not necessarily their fault. It's a new specialty. So there's this gap between understanding and what is actually out there to be helped with. I've, uh, I've also got to ask you guys, so we're talking about, you know, this work that you're doing, we're talking about stigma in your opinion, you know, you're, you're pursuing your, your medical degree. What do you think? you'd like to see medical professionals start to do that can maybe change that stigma, start to get past it, start to shift it. It seems especially like, 
you know, your younger generation of doctors are very aware of this and they're, they're really making efforts to do things to sort of, um, move past the stigma and, and let people get the treatment that they need and, and get into recovery. What do you think from your perspective, from what you've seen so far in medical school, from what you've seen with care for friends and, and working with this population, what would you advise, or what do you think that the medical community could do better to start, um, you know, dismantling the stigma a little bit more? Yeah. I think um, education, really, like, I, I don't really necessarily blame these physicians who don't address it or aren't trained. It's just a matter of, you know, how they were trained. Like, it wasn't a focus when they were, you know, in medical school or residency. Um, and now that, like, as you said, in our generation um, of physicians, people are, you know, more aware to it and they're, they're seeking this education about it, even if they're not going addiction, into addiction medicine, they are seeking that sort of information. And we see that in our school. We started the Addiction Medicine Club a lot. There's a huge interest in it, learning more about it from people who are interested in many different specialties. So I think that's the start is just uh, creating, you know, interest groups within schools and also, you know, adding addiction medicine um, education into the curriculum. Because at the, I think um, our school maybe only had a couple lectures. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to learn in medical school, so it's, it's hard to add it in, but... <laughs> You know, I, I think if there's room for it, we should definitely add that into the curriculum, at least in a more um, extensive way. Have you guys personally, have you have you come across any like um, resistance or challenges for maybe other medical students, members of the medical community? Um, what, what's been your experience? Have you come up you know, against any of that like resistance or, or um, like not understanding why you guys want to get into this field? Absolutely. I think you know, to like, I cannot agree more with what uh, Matt said about the curriculum and how there needs to be an extra focus on just understanding it in that level so that you can provide the medication and you can deal with it when it's in front of you and you can help these patients and you have that education to help. But I think the another really massive part of it is the societal perspective that we have on addiction and that we have on substances. Because as Moon said, you know, everybody has somebody in their life that's addicted to something. And I think to even more to that point, almost everyone in the healthcare field is or has been addicted to something in their life and i am talking about coffee caffeine is something that we have rationalized as this drug that is okay for us to take and don't talk to me unless i'm unless i'm drinking my coffee or, or don't do that like you were literally saying i'm going through withdrawal right now until i get my caffeine don't talk to me until i get my caffeine so this warp of how we see addiction when it's a functional addiction we have an emphasis on being productive and doing these things so then on the flip side of it if somebody ends up addicted to something that is, you know, like an opiate where it's naturally a sedative, that person becomes less productive. It is so much easier for us to rationalize that they are not benefiting society. There must be some delinquent cause. There must be some criminal reason that they're doing this without even thinking about the fact of like, well, why do we drink coffee or why would somebody use heroin? Nobody really wakes up and says, oh, I'm going to try heroin today. Usually these people are backs against the wall or pushed into a corner. They've had years of extensive trauma or things that they've been trying to deal with, or they were given, if you look at like the Oxycontin epidemic, they already had an addiction that was essentially placed on them by the medical system that then got withdrawn. And now they have to seek an alternative to try and avoid these side effects. And so there's just this really big gap between understanding that the substance does not change the person. It is a matter of the addiction that and and how much it is a part of your life and what actually quantifies as a disorder and the fact that it affects your ability to do your daily living. 
And I think that it's so important for people to understand that just because other people are using a drug that they might not be comfortable with or that they, may not, they might not know much about or that they may have had previous negative experiences with them and their family does not necessarily mean that that is a bad person, does not mean that they are any worse or better off or more or less addicted than somebody who needs the three cups of coffee in the morning to go to go to work. Yeah, I personally haven't uh, faced much <clears throat> backlash with my interest in the field, but I know it's out there. And I think that really root, the root of that is because of the stigma, which we'll talk about. Um, so it's just a matter of, you know, getting over that. And I think we are getting better about that. What, what, um, you know, you guys getting into this field, you're, you know, still in school, you're, you're on the way. What would you like to see, you know, having the experience you have, and you guys have such a good grasp on sort of this, this field and what you want to do when you look ahead for yourselves, um, what would you like to see yourselves doing in a few years? How, what kind of impact would you like to have in this particular kind of path, this addiction medicine world? Um, because again, like I said, I see a lot of the younger doctors I'm talking to this generation, they want to make some changes, whether it's small changes with the language in their notes, whether it's big changes with going out in the van, you know, meeting people on the street where they are. Um, it seems like there's a real push to, you know, to, to kind of have a totally different approach to this addiction medicine world where it's like I said, more of an individualized compassionate care system. What would you guys like to be doing in a few years? How would you like to impact the world of addiction medicine? I think there's a lot of different ways we can approach this. And first of all, you know, one would just be <clears throat> being an educated and good clinician, you know, um, like I said earlier, just <clears throat> seeking education on addiction, substance use disorders, knowing how to recognize it, knowing how to treat it, regardless of what field you're in. And then second is like spreading the word, you know, talking to people openly about it, you know, educating people that, you know, it's a, it is a disease. It's not something that people necessarily choose to go to do like Michael was saying, nobody wakes up and says, I want to be addicted today, you know? So it's, it's a matter of just educating people, everyone you talk to, and then, you know, spreading interest um, in your local communities, whether that's, whether, you know, it's medical school, like, like a club that you start or just talking to your friends about it. Yeah. To, to kind of mirror off that, I, uh, I definitely think that, from my standpoint, the biggest things that I'm going to try and keep in mind are a judgment-free zone, truly providing care for these people without making judge or prior judgments based on any history that they would have had in that regard, as well as working on addressing the stigma. Because I think that there are so many, you know, it's, it's not like it, just, it all happens in one day. This is a years and years and years long process. There are so many steps along that where somebody can intervene, whether that's a you know, a trained medical professional or a family member, or um, they, they, there are tons of times where somebody can be sat down and talked to about why this is going on or how we can help. It's just sometimes people don't know what to look for or how to help. And, or they, they can't help because it makes them so uncomfortable to deal with the fact that someone in their life is going through this and they have all these preconceived judgments and notions about what that person is now or maybe deteriorated relationships. Another total possibility that can lead into why this person might get so far down the path that they're now addicted. And I, I really think that encouraging people to talk to their family members, talk to their loved ones, share this information with their doctors and really kind of establish that trusting and caring relationship that is so important, that physician-patient relationship is the best way to truly combat this in the long run. You can tell you guys are really passionate about, about this field and what you do. And I'd love to know 
what's it been like? What's your experience been like over these years through medical school and volunteering? What have you guys learned about yourself? I mean, I'm sure there's been a lot of things that have happened over the years and you've come away with some kind of an impactful moment or experience or something with a patient. But what what do you think you've learned about yourself through these experiences over the last few years? <clears throat> That's a good question. I would say just the the fact that I find this you know, field interesting, I'm glad I discovered it. And <clears throat> I think it says a lot about me. I think I, I like to root for the underdog, you know, and I think that's uh, that's definitely something in uh, treating this population. It seems like no one else cares about them. Definitely. I couldn't agree more with Moon. There is a certain, um, I guess, a call to, uh, call to arms might not be the right way to say it, but you feel this kind of like rush to help these people that you can see are especially when they're seeking help and they have either a negative experience or they get downright ignored by other people in the field. You're like, no, that's not right. We can do this. Like we can do so much better than this. And seeing that massive disconnect between somebody getting blatantly ignored for care versus just giving them a couple of recommendations or even just talking with them about life and why they're feeling the way that they do or why they might be using the substances is just, there's so much that can be done in that space. I think it is really like a, a push to kind of run into this full force. What about, um, talk to me about like peers, uh, younger guys just starting medical school. What would you tell them about the field of addiction medicine? Um, what would you, what do you wish you knew when you started and what advice would you give them if they're, if they're starting to get into this field now? One, tell everybody that it's a thing right off the bat. Cause I think there's a lot more people interested in it than know about it as evidenced by the group message. I mean, I know uh, Matt and I and maybe like two or three other people in our class had expressed interest or we had talked about Suboxone in passing or whatever, but we made this group message, spread it out to the four classes, and within two days, we had 60 members. So clearly there is a disconnect between what is being provided for opportunity and how many people would actually take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, and another big thing is like if you're interested, you know, Go out and try to do stuff like, you know, try to find a volunteer opportunity nearby, join ASAM um, or, you know, um, the AOAM, I believe, um, you know, seek out information because it, it's out there. And um, if you like it, you'll you'll find yourself very quickly uh, getting sucked into it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hey, Mike and Matt, both of you guys. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. This was a really great conversation. Love what you guys are doing. And we're going to make sure um, we got links for everything we're going to put in the show notes, but um, we want to make sure we get guys connected with you uh, over at, at uh, Midwestern University. So um, what do you guys got going on right now? Where can people kind of get connected with you and, and kind of learn about what you're doing with addiction medicine? Yeah. So we've got the club going, we've got the program going, obviously these are, they're growing and we are still going through some of those things, but progress, not perfection, as long as we're always striving for making it better. I really do think we've got a great thing being built here. If anyone has any interest in addiction medicine, there feel free to reach out to either of us or the pre-existing uh, club uh, network of executive boards in the with the school. And we would be more than happy to get them into the group, into the club, into the, some volunteering opportunities and help them pursue whatever interest they have in the field of addiction medicine. Yeah. And um, if you're not at Midwestern, um, I would maybe look to see if there is a addiction medicine club or group. And if not start one, you know, this opportunity. Um, but otherwise, yeah, me and Michael are just doing residency interviews right now and kind of in that process. So wish us luck. <laughs> Absolutely. Good luck guys. I uh, hope to catch up with you soon. Maybe we'll have you back on again with a follow-up when you guys are uh, on the next chapter. Would absolutely love to appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. This has been fun. 
and we will definitely try to catch up with these guys again soon and check in on their addiction medicine journey. Uh, and again, good luck with residency, gentlemen. Uh, we've got links for you to learn more about care for friends and for any other Midwestern medical students listening who are interested in connecting with these guys, we'll link what uh, Matt and Mike have going on in the show notes as well. Um, and this, this is important. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, we want you to know that you are not alone. Treatment is available and recovery is possible. Visit the link in our show notes to access patient resources like our physician directory, patient and family support groups, and much more. That's it for today. Until next episode, remember to treat addiction and save lives, my friends. See you all again real soon. Bye.